Hail Dictinus! Grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. In a good book room, you feel in some mysterious way that you are absorbing the wisdom contained in all the books through your skin without even opening them. Welcome to the library episode, the 227th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of author Mark Twain. Our opening and closing music is credited as Frostwaltz Alternate by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. You may call me Ode. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn, Ode's mother. I'm Jackson, Ode's brother. How many episodes have you guys done? 227. Holy crap. Well, this will be 227. <laughs> I know, right? It's so many. I know. <laughs> That's what we get for doing them weekly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For five years now. For many, 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 many years. Many, many years. years. Housekeeping. We have that event coming up. The 29th. Mm hmm. It is from noon to six, and it is benefiting the Scottish Festival. My understanding is there's going to be vendors, and there's going to be food trucks, and you and I are going to be there reading Doing tarot. tarot. It's a big, fancy event, yeah. and it's going to be taking place at Valhalla in Kalamazoo, Valhalla Taproom. So if you would like to see us, you can see us there. That's right. So that's all our housekeeping, yes? I believe so. All right, then we are housekept and... House swept. Perfect. We're going to try to go through this one a little fast because we brought a lot of books. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I don't know if we'll talk about all of yeah, them. Yeah, so let's, I guess let's introduce the premise of this episode. Yes. Frequently, Gwen and I get asked what books we recommend mm -hmm. and what books we don't recommend mm -hmm. for people who are interested in various topics. Mm -hmm. And we've answered these questions about a thousand times across the Discord and the Facebook and blog posts and sometimes in the middle of other episodes. Mm -hmm. And it's just hard to keep track. <laughs> so. We are going to just cover that all here. Well, we're going to scratch the surface. Right. This isn't going to cover like every book we've ever read or like every author who we, we think you should steer clear of. But we're going to cover the basics and the big ones. Yep. Mm -hmm. And Jackson's also going to contribute, both mm -hmm. because he has his own personal takes and because he works at a metaphysical store. So he sees a lot of these books yep. yes. on the shelf. <laughs> and then from now on, we'll be able to just refer people to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the 227th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Uh -huh. The library the episode. The library episode. <laughs> what makes sense to me, especially being older, and mm -hmm. I come from a generation of witchcraft and pagan books that are questionable. Some. Books that we think some some of them should be phased out yeah. of your library. But but some that are, I think, still valuable as long as you approach them understanding that they, they have biases in and they have... Antique sensibilities. Yeah, things yeah. that don't resonate with modern paganism today. And also so, things that are sometimes just uh, factually untrue. So here's the thing that, that I wanted to say about this. Honestly, this reminds me of uh, why when I studied anthropology in school, why they had us read stuff from like the 1890s. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of it was, take this with the largest grain of salt, half of it is bullshit, and that's the reason why you're reading it, so you understand the inherent biases that existed, and how we have moved on, and how to keep from folding Re those back into the community. Right, recreating this problem. Thank you, social scientists, uh -huh. <laughs> for... These books are, admittedly, some of them I think you just shouldn't read anymore. Yeah. Some of them are just bad. Anything and... by DJ Conway. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, those yeah. those books are just lies. <laughs> just just don't. They're just, just they're just lies. If you see DJ Conway <laughs> in the library, just walk away. They're not no. even like outdated or mistaken. They're just wrong. lies. Yeah, they're just wrong. They're lies that she had to know were lies when she wrote them. But then you've got things like Margot Adler's Drawing Down the Moon, which is mm -hmm. a historical, Star you know, yeah. classic in the pagan world. Starhawk's The Spiral Dance. These Ariadne's types. Thread. Yeah, the uh, book that, that brought speak. me. 
Yeah, Animal oh, Speak God, by Animal Ted, Speak. Andrews. Ted Andrews. A very everything. problematic book. Very problematic, everything Ted Andrews has ever But, read. like, an important read if you want to see why it's problematic. Right. And things like Ariadne's Thread uh, by Shakina Mountain Water. Mm-hmm. It's what got me into paganism. Right. Um, but the problem with, like, for instance, Adler and Starhawk and Shakina's books are they propagate this mythology of... A goddess culture that never... Matriarchal. Yeah, a matriarchal goddess culture from the ancient world that just never existed. Yeah. And so that is why it's problematic. That's why if you run across the documentary called The Burning Times, it's based on that history. It's hot trash. And and it's just, it's not accurate. That's why I still love The Triumph of the Moon. Mm -hmm as a critical thinking historical piece by Ronald Hutton mm-hmm. because he is a historian. An ac- a historian. He's a historian. He's an academic. Yeah, an academic. He spent his life studying these things. He's also got one called Stations of the Sun, mm-hmm. which talks about uh, paganism in the, the British Isles. Mm-hmm. These are good books, historical books to read, especially if you're going to read those others so that you get context. Please let me just very much what Jackson said. Very much what Jackson said. Mm -hmm. What I would say is if you're going to read these books at all, and I do think you should read at least one of them, Mm -hmm. but if you're going to read these books at all, do it completely divorced from your practice. Yeah, and understand they're coming from 30 years ago. And even if they weren't, they're just just outdated and wrong. I would frankly... But I would, what I would do is buy a copy that you can own and write in and yeah. scratch out and highlight, yeah. and annotate, annotate whatever annotate. you want. And while you're reading, have something open with historical research yep. so you can see like what these people were putting out at the time and why it's incorrect. It's it's interesting as as far as an experiment to see where Wicca and paganism has evolved over the years, Mm -hmm. but it's not something that you want to incorporate into your practice. Not a single piece of it. Do not absorb a Mm -hmm. single word from these books because anything good that they have to teach you, newer books that are more accurate, will teach you better. If anything, I would say don't start even looking at these books until no, you are until more Until you've already got a foundation. Yeah. Get your foundation first and what, what we understand about magic and witchcraft and paganism today yeah. from our modern scholars and yeah. readers. Build and, a strong foundation so that when you read these books, you already know they're bullshit. Yeah. And, th- and you, then you can recognize uh-huh. it. It's yeah. a similar way as sometimes I go back and read translated copies of books about witchcraft from like the 16, 1700s, mm-hmm. and they're bananas. Yes. Like, oh <laughs> my gosh. I read In a them, very entertaining way. Yes. Yeah. And I read them basically as a way to, one, to get, educate myself in the biases that that are around mm-hmm. and two just as a way to like better inform how to critique a piece of literature mm-hmm. yeah and make your own informed decisions yeah yeah do it do it as a a historical research project mm-hmm. not as part of your path yeah. not right. as part of your religious tradition give yourself homework to tear apart a book that is controversial you can also do that with modern books just to be yes yeah. i've done yeah, that with absolutely. several absolutely yeah because not all modern books are going to have good, obviously and we'll talk you know, about that too good but, research but i would say like anything from almost anything honestly at this point from like pre-90s mm-hmm. i have to give a lot of side eye to because i know it's being influenced by those foundational texts like yeah. those are the foundation that those books are building yeah. on so raymond buckland's big blue book in the store basically everybody who comes in to buy it asks for uncle bucky's big blue book (laughs) (laughs) and there is i can't remember the actual name here's the thing there's raymond buckland and there's cunningham yeah Yeah. cunningham and buckland are two that i think are foundational but Mm -hmm. like take with the most 
Salt. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I I was Cunningham was foundational for mm-hmm. me after Ariadne's thread. It was Cunningham. But yes, you go back now yeah. and read Cunningham and you're like, oh honey. And I would you know. say Cunningham and Buckland are books I would I would take like slightly out of the yes. don't let it touch your practice exactly. category. And I would put them into like a, you can take good things from them. Absolutely. Yeah. The book that was foundational for solitary practitioners, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of stuff in there that you're going to want to just kind of scratch mm-hmm. out. But there's a lot of really good practice in there on how to, well, on how to work with energy and how to work with the earth. And that includes like, I still reference his magical herbalism book and his Incense Oils and Brews book. These books are are very, very good reference material. Mm-hmm. But again... Just don't use them as a Bible. Just don't yeah. use them as the Bible. So don't I use think, any of these books as the Bible. I no. think they are a good one to add to your selection of classics that you read once you have enough foundation to not take every written word you yeah. come across as fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would even include Silver Ravenwolf with, in, that with, in that same category. Yeah. Because... While some of it you definitely don't want to incorporate, she also has a lot of old goddess... You uh, can tell she was inspired by Starhawk. She was inspired by Starhawk and and was contemporaries with these. But there is a lot of really good stuff in there, too. Mm -hmm. Um, You just have to, again, look at it with a critical eye and cross out what is not useful or not... Yeah. Hasn't translated to now. I would say for me personally, Cunningham and Ravenwolf and that category of, like, practical writers post-Star hawk who mm. were clearly building on a starhawk foundation i would say maybe 30 percent of their books is still useful today mm-hmm. not as much as was useful when they were first writing them exactly but they're still i would say it's not the majority of the book is going to be useful to you but there's enough that's useful in there that it's worth giving them a go exactly cunningham and ravenwolf and those writers are ones i might get from a library instead mm-hmm. of owning for my own shelf, depending. Right. Create categories, if you will, of what might be interesting to reference just to understand the history. Right. And what... And to know what not to believe. And to know what not to believe. And then have this cadre of, of writers that has some useful information that you can mm-hmm. still glean wisdom from. While acknowledging that some of their stuff is just outdated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Outdated or it was based on research that was right. just bad. It's based on other people's yeah. lies that were just taken as being fact. There are some genuinely bad modern writers. Oh, of course. That I need to warn, especially the heathen community, to stay away from. Because that's always how it is in the heathen community. <laughs> <laughs> the big one is Stephen Flowers, also known as Edward Thorson. There you'll find stuff by E. Flowers. So Stephen Flowers or Edward Thorson or any related pen names he has. He started some of our shittier heathen organizations and you can tell. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So don't read anything he wrote. There's nothing in there that's actually worth keeping. Uh, A lot of his work is reconstructed Nazi heathenism. Mm. Throw all that out. That means the nine noble virtues, which he invented. You don't need them. Something interesting about books related to heathenry, because there's so much Nazi propaganda in the books that you run across. If you look in the, specifically on Amazon, if you look in the reviews, there will be like just a very dedicated community of heathens being like Nazi propaganda in my magic book 
never buy this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, in the reviews, uh, there are a couple of Reddit communities mm-hmm. uh, that the heathen community spends a lot of time on that a few of them even have like like auto mods, bots that will crawl through and if you mention someone's name, they'll be like, hey, did you know this person's a Nazi? <laughs> um, which is always funny. So Edred Thorson or Stephen Flowers don't read. Freya Aswin was recommended to heathens for a long time. She was originally a Wiccan who had an experience with Woden and moved into heathenry. Reconstructionists always had problems with her because she brought a lot of Wicca with her, but she was semi-recently in 2018 removed from eldership in the Troth, which is the good heathen community, for Islamophobic comments that Mm. she doubled down on, on top of just sort of a history of more deniable racism and queerphobia. So Freya Aswin has been finally like removed from the inclusive heathen sphere. So her books, I wouldn't recommend anyway, because there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of Wicca influence in them. Mm -hmm. You might be able to pick out one or two useful or interesting things, but by and large, you can get the interesting stuff from Freya Aswin elsewhere. Mm -hmm. The other two that you should avoid probably are Galina Kraskova and Raven Caldera. They are modern authors, contemporary, present day writers and figures in the heathen community or in quote, the Northern tradition. Both of them have a whole raft of problems. Galina Kraskova in particular is pretty open fascist. Raven Caldera writes with her almost all of their books are written together and has uh, just a whole slew of problems that I don't even have the time to get into on this. But just avoid. Just avoid both of them. I do actually still have two of their books on my shelf from before before everything broke bad Mm. with Kraskova. And like... This is another one where, like, there's 20% good shit in there, Mm -hmm. but if you're not skilled at dismantling fascist undertones, like, the stuff you're going to pull out is going to be tainted by it. Mm -hmm. So for beginners, don't go anywhere near Kraskova and and Caldera. For heathens who have more confidence in their ability to pick out, like, whatever might be actually useful without getting poisoned by all the Nazi rhetoric, get a copy you can destroy. You'll feel better afterwards. Are there books for heathenry that you do recommend? I mean, the big one for me is I recommend reading the Eddas. My preferred translations are Carolyn Larrington's, which uh, Sarantha Odinson put me onto. And I also like Bellows, Henry Adams Bellows, which is an old translation. It's, some of the scholarship in it is outdated, but it preserves the poetry of the Eddas in a way that translates well to English. Technically speaking, like Hollander is a more accurate to the style of Norse poetry, but Bellows feels more like poetry to an English speaker. Mm. So I like to have Bellows translation and Larrington's translation side by side and compare them. I can give a tentative okay to Diana Paxson. A lot of her work is older now, so it has some of the older mm-hmm. problems. She was pretty close with Aswin. Paxson, I would say maybe 40% is worth keeping. And I would also say, you know, for the uh, things to avoid, anything by Z Budapest? Uh, yes. <laughs> because she has, uh, she has come out as definitely as a turf, Which um, we knew. But uh, she was essentially the founder, or if not one of the founders of Dianic mm-hmm. Wicca. She had books that she wrote um, that I read in the past. Don't recommend any of those books. A- anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're going to have an undertone of, yeah. She's know. She's one of those that, like, bef- the reason we knew mm-hmm. she was a turf before she, like, came, came out, out as, as a, a turf, turf 
was that if you read her material, it you, was very, you could tell. It was very woman-centric. <laughs> In an exclusionary way. Yeah, yeah. I'm a feminist, but it definitely, her writing is definitely in an exclusionary way that is not, is just not okay for the 21st century. Yeah. Just don't even go there. There's be- there's better. The other thing, sticking with the heathen topic mostly, but you can apply the same game to other problematic elements. One of my favorite games to play, favorite in big air quotes, is, is this author a Nazi? Mm-hmm. So Jackson already mentioned, like, sometimes you can find hints in the Amazon reviews or, like, the Goodreads reviews or, like I said, um, sometimes you can literally type that question into Google and it'll take you to a Reddit page where someone's already asked that. If you're trying to figure it out without having to read the book, my suggestion is the following sequence. You Google their name. Go through, like, you can kind of skip the first page because it's usually going to be, like, all their promotional material and stuff that is specifically to big them up but if you go to the second page and you especially if you can find like comment threads where people are talking about this person you'll start to get hints and if anything twigs you the wrong way you google that person again with their name and that keyword and then you google their name with a couple of the dog whistles you know to be concerned about and then the most reliable way to play this game is to find their complete bibliography, look through every title they've ever written, and Google all of those, mm-hmm. and go through all of those reviews. Because sometimes the specific book you're looking at isn't problematic, but like they had a blog post in 2014 where they outed themselves by accident. <laughs> this is a long game, but it can be very satisfying when you find one. But this will also teach you how to research things, so there's that. So do you have anything in particular that you would that you would tell people? Tell Stay away from. Stay away from. Oh gosh, Hedgewitch books are hard to find that that have any sort of quality to them because Hedgewitchery tends to be conflated with Green Witchcraft and Kitchen Witchcraft. Mm -hmm. So like three completely different practices and traditions. Yes, and really like heavily Wicca inspired for no good reason. That's true of all of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wicca gets on everything. Uh, Yeah, it's sticky. But um, but so funnily enough. The best way to, like, find good Hedgewitch information is to... You you can glance through some of the books. There are a couple that are... I think there's one called Riding the Hedge, which is part of the Pagan Portals book, which is fine. It's a decent enough book. The Hedgewitch Book of Days, I don't like it. It's bad. Do your research on them, but you can find individual practitioners who put out blog posts or Mm -hmm. pamphlets or whatnot. You'll probably find better and more accurate information. Because it's a very solitary practice that's made either passed down through generations or created by each individual who does it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll say you'll find this in a lot of different traditions where there's Mm -hmm. some sort of like bleed or overlap, Mm -hmm. especially if the author has multiple traditions. Mm -hmm. So that's actually something really useful to look into Mm -hmm. when you first look at getting a book. What are all the things this author does? Yeah. Like what are all their traditions? Because you can reasonably expect that all of their traditions will have an influence on their take on this one. I would also look at if somebody is very rapidly putting out books like one a year, check, like do some quick Googling and check their books. Like if you can find like a Google preview of Mm -hmm. two different books and compare them because there's a a certain like genre of author who recycle the same information with a different name put on it. Yeah. (laughs) And they're basically faking it because if they're- Or you'll have like ghost written books. Yeah, I was just gonna say that there's that whole library of of books that are basically just the same information or similar information regurgitated over and over and over again. Yeah. But sometimes they ascribe it to 
a different tradition and switch around some of the names and yeah. call it good, yeah. which is inaccurate. Yeah. So, and, and it is basically just ghostwriters. Who are being paid shit, by the way. So it's mm-hmm. not the ghostwriters' fault. No. Want to read a diverse and inclusive fantasy that's pagan friendly? Check out Arrow's Flight by M.B. Strang. Arrow's Flight, an unknown menace moves through the polite society of Pearl's Holding. If not caught in time, it will bring down not just the hallowed knights of the Pearl Order, but also everyone who lives and works with them. The answer lies with a young woman of mysterious origins whose life has been touched by tragedy. To fulfill her potential, she must confront her past and discover a future more amazing than she'd ever imagined and find the inner strength to fly. She's not alone. A handful of knights, a hearth mage, and their magical companions all test their physical and magical limits to make things right before it's too late. Otherwise... Dark forces will overtake the nights for good. Go to mbstrang.com for details on ordering your copy now. Scroll down to the bottom of the main page to sign up for the newsletter and receive a free story. Uh, before we get out of ad space, Yuki somebody from Patreon who joined as a tiger, you gotta send me at ode at threepagansofcat.com what commercial you want for your tiger level. Or I can't do a commercial for you. Uh, so Yuki, it's not Yuki Ona because that's a Japanese ghost. Yuki somebody from the Tigers, send me an email. Okay, now we should probably transition good into books. what we want yes. to good uh, books. promote. Books we recommend. Yes, good books right. time. Our good actual time. library. Mm-hmm. That's right, that's right. So Gwen and I both brought this book. It should be in every single, I, especially if you're a witch or a magical practitioner. Yes. This I, should be in your library. I firmly believe this, if you do any kind of witchcraft, you should have this book. Absolutely. It's it, And we talked about it before. Yep. It's The Witch's Book of Spellcraft by Jason Menke, Matt Cavalli, Amanda Lynn, and Ari Menke. That's right. It's brilliant. <laughs> It really is. It covers so much. It's got great spells included, mm-hmm. including one from yours truly. Uh-huh, yeah. And that's not the reason I'm promoting the book. It really is an excellent, excellent resource for the modern practitioner. It, yeah. And I it's highly it's very comprehensive. It. Mm-hmm. I, I truly think this is just like the textbook every witch needs when they're starting out. Oh, yeah. I yeah, consistently really recommend this book mm-hmm. to beginners who come in and say, I know nothing. Tell me what books are good. Yeah. <laughs> you want the Witch's Book of Spellcraft. Yeah. I think this should replace a lot of people's like old classics. Like mm-hmm. I think this should, will be people's Cunningham mm-hmm. in 20 years. Yep. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Yeah. It, it does a really good job of... It's a very good introductory book mm-hmm. that covers a, a range of topics yep. in a way that's easily digestible without being overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And even though it is a very beginner-friendly book, yep. as an intermediate witch, there's still plenty for oh, me to get out of it. Plenty, mm-hmm. plenty. So it's a it's a book with legs. <laughs> I would also, in that vein, recommend Modern Witchcraft with the Greek Gods by Jason Mankey and Astrea Taylor. It's history, insights, and magical practice. If you are someone who works with the Greek deities. If you're in the Hellenic practice. If you're in the Hellenic practice, this is an excellent, especially if you're just starting, mm-hmm. this is an excellent book to have in your library. It's really good. So I highly recommend it. This is going to sound like a little bit off the wall one for beginners, but I really do enjoy this book and do recommend it to beginners a lot. It's Hands-On Chaos Magic by uh, Andrea Vitimus. Mm. So this is like a fascinating book because it's mostly a list of 
of spells and it's it's practically a workbook in the beginning like third i love a workbook yeah um but give me homework <laughs> i am i am not joking it's such a good lead-in to to actually like doing magic practically in your day-to-day life because some of the stuff it starts off with like internal work and stuff that you would hear from your freaking therapist um, <laughs> and like helps you work through. The reason why I like it so much for beginners is it has such a smooth escalation. Despite it being geared towards chaos magic, it can really be applied to anything. So uh, the next book I recommend is another one Gwen and I share. Uh, it's actually two books. Yes. So it is Psychic Witch and Mastering Magic, Absolutely. both by Matt Oren. And read Psychic Witch First. and then Mastering Magic. Yeah, you actually do have to read them in that order, yeah. I, I think, personally. Absolutely. Um, these are another set that sort of work as a textbook. There's, again, that sort of workbook quality of, like, here's how you can go through, especially Psychic Witch has, like, a development process. Absolutely. Start at step one and go on. This pair is another mm-hmm. set that I think will... I'm not sure it's getting as much traction. The Witch's Book of Spellcraft is, but I think it should mm-hmm. um, because I think it gives you... a a lot of essential skills and mm-hmm. sort of a different way of of perceiving your work that really empowers people and pushes them to like a next level. Mm-hmm. So I hope it it like starts finding a place on everyone's shelf and becomes another one of those Cunningham books that like you just constantly refer back to because yeah. there is such good content in these. Absolutely. I have not read Mastering Magic, but I have read The Psychic Witch mm-hmm. and it's fantastic. It is. They're really, really good. And Mastering Magic was completed after Psychic Witch and with some of the the critique that, that Matt received on Psychic Witch, especially about elements of Psychic Witch that were difficult for neurodivergent people. Mm. So there's a development process even for the author in these mm-hmm. books. I love mm-hmm. it. And we love to see someone, you know, actually take on criticism and absorb that. In regard to Spellcraft, one of my favorite books, and again, it's one of those yes. that uh, is just great to have. It's a good reference material. It's a material. good reference material. It's the big book. <laughs> it's a big book. Encyclopedia of 5,000 Spells, the ultimate reference book for the magical arts by Judica Isles. Judica Isles has written a thousand of these kinds of encyclopedias. And most of them are great. Yeah. If you need just inspiration, inspiration, this is a great resource to go to. Yeah. 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 Judica Isles, um, those books are good if you know what you want to do, but not how you want to do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then along that same vein, I'd also recommend uh, Llewellyn's Big Book of Correspondences. I'm not exactly sure if that's the exact title. But but uh, we've used that before. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. It's every correspondence you can think of is included. Yeah. I find that one mostly useful as like a a consistent reference material for inspiration. I usually don't Mm -hmm. take its correspondences 100% seriously. But it gives you a start. Exactly. And it's better than like looking up a correspondence list on the internet because Mm -hmm. every correspondence list is going to be different. So it's good to just, even if you don't pick that one, just pick a book of correspondences to be your book of correspondences Mm -hmm. just for consistency. Exactly. And then adjust it to whatever your personal internal correspondences are and your preferences. And Mm -hmm. I would say actually mark up your book. Yeah, like literally write, annotate your books. Uh I, I firmly believe like, especially for witchcraft books, 
where it's going to be part of your practice and like right in your books. Yeah. So one of the books that I've used for reference for the longest amount of time, this book is a little janky at this point, <laughs> is The Hearth Witch's Compendium by Anna Franklin. And it's literally, it's just such a good resource for recipes, the sabbats, how to use essential oils, really basic uh, magical recipes. Like mm-hmm. it's a fantastic beginner's guide for I want to do stuff in my house. How 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 do. How do. <laughs> and for those green witches out there, I recommend Erin Murphy Hiscock. I love her books. She's written The Green Witch's Garden is a complete guide to creating a, a magical and cultivating a magical garden space. She writes a lot of different, she writes on a lot of different topics, but her green witchcraft books are exactly what you want. I think if you want to start a really solid green witch practice. Mm-hmm. And to round that off, I guess, with rocks, I actually don't recommend you read any of the books that are out uh, and available about stones. I don't like any of them. Uh, No offense to the people who write those books. None of them work for me. What I suggest you go do is you go to mindat.org, M-I-N-D-A-T, mineraldatabase.org, and there you will find all of the scientific data about various minerals. Practically every mineral on Earth, unless it's just been discovered. And even then, they, they catch up pretty quick. It'll have, you know, all the hard scientific data, what type of crystal it is, blah, 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 what it's, what it's composed of, what it's like physical characteristics and qualities are. And you learn about like the quality, the metaphysical qualities of that stone, right? By extrapolating from the physical qualities of the stone. Mm -hmm. Sometimes for minerals that have like an interesting history, you can also find like little bits of like who discovered it and how, and was there a competing discovery over on another part of the world and how did it get this name? And so you can find those kinds of little bits of information on uh, Mindat. So that's that's where I go for figuring out correspondences for all of my stones. I go to Mindat.org. That is the only way I recommend that you learn about stones. I don't think lattices matter. Like you can arrange stones in whatever order you want. And I'm sure there are books about that that are going to be useful for the people who do that. But I don't do that. So this is how I recommend you you do stone correspondences is you go to the scientific data. And this is the best spot for it. Uh, Another Cunningham Encyclopedia, Crystal Gem and Metal Magic. Yes. That um, and then I pull the two up together uh-huh. and I find the like, uh, usually I look for the one in the Cunningham Encyclopedia first and then I look at the stuff and I compare and I go, is this legit? Does mm-hmm. this make sense to me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> because there are some stones that I just pick up and I'm like, you have a different use than the what's vibe. listed down. Mm-hmm. But the, the other great thing about Mindat is that it will have photo reference of minerals in various forms. So if you're trying to ID something, Mindat is going to help you uh, identify whatever you've got in your hand. Oh, and speaking of Cunningham and using another book to reference between the two, you've got Cunningham's Guide to the Solitary Practitioner, Wicca Mm -hmm. Guide. Aaron Murphy Hiscock also wrote a newer book called Wicca, A Modern Practitioner's Guide. And if you have both of those, you read Cunningham's book and then you read A Modern Practitioner's Guide. Hers is really kind of a of a, a continuation, a, uh, an, evolution. I guess, an evolution of that. So I think Cunningham's is a great place to start. And then you're going to get reinforcement and continuation from Aaron Murphy Hiscock in Wicca, A Modern Practitioner's Guide. If you do Wicca. Obviously. Yes, if you do Wicca. And I think those two together make a really good, strong base. reference base for Wiccan practitioners. Uh, Finn says the only issue I had with Aaron Murphy Hiscox, the Green Witch, was it was very gender specific. 
That's true. She is very gender specific. So I wouldn't like her probably is what you're Probably talking. not. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, that is something that we do still have to deal with in a lot of the modern books. We are not, unless They're you, not there yet. They're not there yet. So you do have to... Keep fighting them. <laughs> yep. You do have to, to know that most of these writers are going to be very gender specific. There are mm-hmm. some who try to be a little more gender neutral. Mm-hmm. I think Jason is is one who's trying to... You can watch his, you can watch his, his writing evolve. Yeah. yeah, you're seeing an evolution in his writing. But I think we're still... We still have a ways to go with mm-hmm. our pagan writers' yeah. inclusive language. Yeah. I wouldn't stop a person from reading a book. I would just say, be aware that this is going to... And then I would stop reading it. Yeah. Because I would run across the first, like, uh, the beautifulness of womanhood. And I would be like, thank you, goodbye. Yeah. And that's fine. I also want, for the Hecatean witches out there, I want to recommend, obviously, Serita de Esti. Uh, anything by her, <laughs> Hecate, The Sacred Fires, and Circle for Hecate, and Hecate's Liminal Rites. Mm-hmm. Those three are excellent books to for understanding practice of Hecatean witchcraft or the worship of Hecate, mm-hmm. you know, in the modern day. Another really good book to reference is Hecate Sotira by Sarah Isles Johnston. Her book is older. It's a little harder to find, but it's very well researched. Well documented. And it's more of the historical understanding of Hecate, which I think is very important because we're talking about, you know, an ancient goddess. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you know, bringing her into the modern age, you want to understand where she's coming from. Um, and then just for a really great devotional, um, this is an older book again, but it's Hecate, a devotional by Vivian Moss. And it is strictly a devotional practice book, but Mm -hmm. it's got some really great information in there. I really recommend Herbal Medic. Um, Mm -hmm. I unfortunately can't remember the author, but it's specifically written by a former Green Beret. Mm. So it's this very, like, you walk into the woods and what can you find? Right. (laughs) Very practical. Very, very practical. The most practical herbal medicine book I think I've ever run across, and I absolutely adore it. It's not, like, it's just straight-up herbal medicine. There's no magic in it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So I recommend using it in combination with something else, with something like the Modern Witchcraft Guide to Magical Herbs. Mm -hmm. See what your correspondence, what your magical correspondences are while going with that, like, very straight-up practical stuff. Mm -hmm. Elle said Sam Cochran is the author. And for herbalism, I also recommend the classic The Master Book of Herbalism by Paul Beryl, which does... Does include magical uses as well as practical information and medicinal information. If you're going to want to understand herbs and you want a classic text, always get Culpepper's Complete Herbal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Culpepper's Complete Herbal is a book that I both love and hate. Yeah, because it can be. That's one of the OG classics. Yes, yes. very OG. So um, although there've been revised editions, which yes. I think are much easier to find now than the actual OG Culpepper. Mm-hmm. So my favorite is Culpepper's Complete Herbal, edited by Stephen Foster. Because what Stephen Foster has done is added in a small like paragraph section for the modern uses mm-hmm. and ideas of said herbs mm-hmm. to go with the classical ones. Because this was written in like like the 1700s. Yeah, yeah. it's very it's old. Very, <laughs> very old. I, don't, I think people don't realize how old Culpepper yeah. is. Yeah. And so, and so obviously there are recommendations Culpepper makes I wouldn't necessarily follow his medicinal uses, but as far as understanding... This is a man who believed in the humor system. Mm -hmm. Yes. So take it 
with, you know, context. It's going to tell you all about bile. (laughs) But there's really good information about the various herbs in there and about... Doctrine of Signatures. Thank you, Doctrine of Signatures. It helps you understand that a little bit better. I want to also shout out Orion Foxwood's work. Oh, yeah. The book I have in front of me is The Candle and the Crossroad, but he's got several other um, very good books as well. Just because you'll get a different take from Orion than you will from a lot of these other books we've recommended. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't actually do almost any of the work that Orion talks about, but I love getting his perspective on things. Mm -hmm. And I definitely, I mean, I did pick up some some shit from Orion at classes in particular. And some of that content he also covers in his books. Like, Orion is the reason I rhyme my incantations. Mm -hmm. A thing I never thought I would do, but I I picked it up from Orion and now that's how I do it. Mm. He had compelling reasons for why he he recommends that and stuff like that. So I, I think it's useful sometimes to read outside of your tradition just to see if there's interesting stuff there that can be incorporated into your practice in a non-appropriative way. So yeah, I recommend Orion Foxwood if you have any interest in root work, uh, Appalachian work, that kind of thing. A lot of really interesting sort of old-fashioned magic in, in Orion's work. As far as candle magic is concerned, you know, you're going to find a ton. Oh, a thousand. A thousand and one candle books out there. The one that I love right now and that I highly recommend is The Big Book of Candle Magic by Jackie Smith, who is the, the founder of Coventry Creations. Mm-hmm. This is a very comprehensive book on candle magic. It's got you know, all kinds of really good information. And again, it's one of those things that should be in your library just simply because it's a great foundational book. I actually do recommend this one, especially if if you're not really up on astrology, but everybody else around you is. <laughs> um, How to Survive Mercury Retrograde and Venus and Mars 2 by Bernie Ashman. I was having a, a real hard time with all the retrogrades that happened last year. It was a disaster. So this came into my store and I was like, oh, I need it because <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> it's an interesting sort of entry into that whole sphere of of application of the energy of the moon and how to work with it and how to make sure you don't destabilize. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you'd say that is good for a non-astrologer? Yes. Okay. So it would be books by Evo Dominguez yes. Jr. Uh, Evo, yeah, Evo's books are, I think, more for an astrologer, mm-hmm. but they are very accessible to a non-astrologer, mm-hmm. and they make me understand astrology for about a week after I read them, mm-hmm. which is which is better than anyone else has ever done. I would say if you are interested in working in either the poison path, so that would be uh, herbals that are nightshades, entheogens, things of that nature, check out my friend Kobe Michael's book, Poison Path Herbal, Baneful Herbs, Medicinal Nightshades, and Ritual Entheogens. It's a very good book. It's based on the little series of booklets he originally Mm self-published. And those were excellent. If you can find copies of those little guys, I recommend those as well. But this is kind of putting it all together and showing people how they can create the path. But then the next thing is if you are are a practitioner who does do cursing or hexing or Mm -hmm. things of that nature, I recommend Dorothy Morrison's Utterly Wicked. If you want to go a little harder, I recommend a hoodoo practitioner called Miss Aida, Crossing and Uncrossing, and that book is hardcore, so don't get it unless you mean it. In terms of protection magic, I actually really recommend Blackthorn's protection magic as a good, like, I would read it alongside something like Utterly Wicked because it has a different perspective Mm -hmm. um, and specifically how to do, like, physical self-defense 
magically. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Blackthorn is great. She's a friend. I love anything she writes, but her protection magic book is really good. And the last one I'm going to cover is The Magic of Food by Guion Raven. It is absolutely one of my favorite, like, magical cookbooks in the world. It is delightful. Um, And you can tell the amount of effort that went into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I believe he actually did cook and eat every single recipe in the book. He yes, did. He, he did. did. Um, uh, I went to one of his talks once, and mm-hmm. he said that like when he was doing the section on Greek stuff, he ate only Greek food mm-hmm. for several months. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. A process. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do you have any more books to recommend, Gwen? Oh, no, because there's just so many. You gotta. We can't you know, go through them all. We can't go through them all. We've got a huge library of books that are in the mm-hmm. you know physical realm as well as on our Kindles. Mm-hmm. This is at least a, a brief scratching. A point. I'm going to recommend one more book, and then we're going to be done then, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess um, we'll need to wrap it up. Yep. Yeah. So I recommend... Queering the Tarot by Cassandra Snow. Mm. Getting back a little bit into that, like, gosh, everyone's still got gender on all their stuff. We just wrapped up our tarot series, and there's a lot of gendered elements in the tarot that it can be hard to grapple with if you are if you are queer, if you're reading for a queer querent. So Queering the Tarot can give you sort of another perspective on how to understand these cards. I would say, like, it's not going to replace your understanding of tarot, but it will add layers to your understanding of tarot. I did want to recommend two more authors. Storm Fairywolf. Yes. Love his books. And the other is Devin Hunter. Devin Hunter's got a bunch of different things modern, which spells recipes and things like that. But the books I really recommend are The Witch's Book of... There's The Witch's Book of Power, The Witch's Book of Spirits. That whole series is excellent, so I highly recommend those. The only other thing is you don't have to read books. Mm. No. no, audio, audiobooks. Not even that what I'm talking about. Oh. You can find really good material oh, yeah. in academic papers. Yep. If you have access to JSTOR, or I get uh, papers sometimes through academia.edu, although those are not like super reliable all the time. A lot of them are sort of self-published and not peer-reviewed, but you can find some good stuff on there. Carolyn Larrington, who I recommended as her translation of the Eddas, for example, has some great uh, scholarly papers mm-hmm. on various aspects of Old Norse and medieval textual analysis. She's got three or four papers that are about sibling relationships in the Eddas, and one of them in particular is really, really interesting. Yeah, on that end, I would also recommend that you look into academic papers on witchcraft mm-hmm. or on mm-hmm. hoodoo, like any tradition there will probably be somebody who's written about it who may or may not be part of the community. So if you want to look for something that's well-written mm-hmm. and preferably an ethnography, which means that they were on the ground with the people learning. Yeah. And if you're lucky, you'll find like a group of three or four people who all study this who hate each other. Yes. <laughs> that's the best part. they try one-up each other. That's the best part because they'll all write papers arguing with each other and then you learn so much more than when they just like each other and don't write papers hating on each other. Yes. Yep. And then I do want to give a shout out to audiobooks for people who are like, ugh, I just don't like to read. You can find all of these resources. Well, well not all of them. Well, you can find many, many, many resources on things like Audible. In a lot of cases, you can get audiobooks through your library. Yep. Do that. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that you will find a surprising amount of good information just on people's blogs. Yeah. Yep. Just online. Yeah. Yeah. Just on their personal blogs, their their live journal, if they still have that. 
uh, on their Tumblr. If you can track down people who have good blogs, bookmark that shit. I actually genuinely started getting into paganism via Pinterest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> YouTube also has some really great practitioners yes, on there. Who, who have um, sort of video archives of yeah. their work. Find someone who resonates with you. Yeah. But double double check double them. Double check them. Make sure that they're, they're what they're teaching is and check what they cite. Yeah, yes. and check what they cite, but, but you can here's, find some good resources. Here's ultimately the thing. The pagan publishing space is no more rigorously fact-checked mm -hmm. than the internet. Yep. The published books are no more rigorous as a whole. The publishing standards are not holding them to a high bar. Mm -hmm. So legitimately, the work on the internet is as good as mm -hmm. the work in published work. And mm -hmm. Patheos Pagan, obviously, is a, is another mm -hmm. good resource, as Rianne and Gray is reminding me. There are some really good writers mm -hmm. on Patheos Pagan. So I would, I would recommend any of them. Yeah. Finn says, vet, 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 and when you think you're done, vet some more. Yep, yep absolutely. Much. Don't just read something and think, oh, this has got to be it because I've <laughs> exactly. read it. Exactly. You know, Never swallow any piece of uh, material about your, about anything, but especially yep. about your religious practice, mm -hmm. hook, line, and sinker. If it is personal if it gnosis, is personal make gnosis, sure that they're telling you that. Exactly. You want to know what is personal gnosis and what is research. And compare it, it to your own experiences. Exactly. There's, there's just a lot of really good information out there. It's also critical, especially especially in reconstructionist environments that the people you are listening to are able to take on new information. Yeah. Right? Like we get new finds about Norse archaeology all the time mm -hmm. that mean we have to reassess things we thought were true. Yep. If your sources can't or won't do that, then they are bad sources. It's just like the Wicca and paganism and witchcraft from 30 to 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. it, what what they practiced then was for them and what they knew at the time and some of the scholarship was bad. And we now know it was and wrong. And we now know it was wrong. But if you've got, you know, someone who is only willing to be tied to those old mm -hmm. practices or those old beliefs, then you're going to be getting inaccurate information. Yeah. Uh, I would also recommend if you have access to uh, like really hardcore historical reenacting groups, mm -hmm. ask them yes. for recommendations because those people are the most educated. Yeah. I, I worked with a group... Um, who did 12th century medieval reenacting and one of them came to me incredibly excited and they said they just had an archaeological discovery of a new type of leather bag which means I now have to learn how to make something new. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, historical reenactors, if you can find one for like your period and place mm -hmm. are primo resource. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And again, I can't recommend Ronald Hutton yeah. enough. He's a wonderful historian and he, he has an interest in the magical and pagan what's community. Really, what's really interesting about Ronald Hutton is you'll find some older pagans who hate him because Absolutely. he punctured a lot of illusions. <laughs> he did, because he was the one who brought out mm -hmm. into the open that many of the uh, beliefs of earlier Wiccans... Mm -hmm. that just weren't just, true. They just weren't based on reality. Yeah, there was just it, no factual basis yeah. whatsoever. Because they were teaching that it was thousands of years old and he brought mm -hmm. reality into the situation but because of that we have been able to build a more honest new more robust more robust yeah. paganism because of his work yeah. so i highly recommend ronald hutton rhiannon gray says talk to local nerds yeah. yes do that absolutely um, if you and have a local go pagan store. Exactly, if you have a local pagan store. Um, and even just go to your local library mm -hmm. and tell them you want to know about this time or place. And ask, they will have books for you. And ask the other pagans and witches that you know what's their favorite book. Mm -hmm. What what are they reading? Yeah, share resources. Share mm -hmm. resources. 
Okay, we're going to wrap up now because yep, yep. we've been going. We could go on forever. Yeah, and there's too many books. There we is. can't cover them all. There's too many, too many books. So this is a selection. Google us? Yes. <laughs> you can find us <laughs> there we go. by Googling three pagans and a cat or three pack, three P-A-A-C. Yeah. <laughs> on google on google um we also have, yes we also have a website at the number three paganzonacat.com where you can find links to the stuff we do we have a, a discord server rather and a facebook group where the community hangs out and will also tell you about all the books that they read absolutely it's a great resource mm-hmm. to go to either of these groups yep and and frequently someone will like take a photo of a book in the store and be like hey do we like this one yep, yep. <laughs> so yeah you can join those communities i have an instagram right i'm on tiktok she's on the tiktok a lot. She I, also has a Patheos Pagan blog, I technically. I have been writing very much on, but it is there. And you can go and see my Right, you can my see the past. backlog. You can see the backlog. <laughs> the archive. The archive. Um, and then you can browse around the rest of Patheos Pagan. Yeah, because there's And find some all really those other great. blogs. There's some, some really good blogs. There's I recommend some, John Beckett's blog. Oh, God, yes. John Beckett. Always good. Yep. Um, I like the Corner Crone as well. That um, is Martha Kirby Capo. Yep. Who has a new book out with Vince Higginbotham Which called, we'll be reviewing soon. For, yeah, for Patreon. Mm-hmm. But no more books. No we're more done books. With books. Okay, I think I've said all the things I have to say, so we're just gonna say goodbye now. Okay, we're gonna say goodbye. <laughs>